journey with me. It's approximately 1500 BC in the land of Israel. There seems to be a solemnness in the camp. It's a Sabbath day in Israel, but this Sabbath day is different. The people are preparing themselves for something, something serious, something sacred, something holy. It's the Day of Atonement, the holiest of all days in Israel. It is on this day that God makes a way for a sinful priest to enter into his presence without facing his wrath against sin and make atonement for the sins of the people. You can see the people gathered around the tabernacle. There have, they've been fasting from food and work and humbling themselves before the Lord all day. But all the attention is on Aaron, the high priest, who is seen preparing himself for this ceremony. He must first purify himself, the tabernacle, and then make offering for his own sins. Aaron then takes two goats as a substitute for the sins of the people and cast lot for them. One goat on which the lot fell was set aside for the sacrifice. The other is set aside as a scapegoat. Aaron then slaughters the first goat. The shrieks of the goat reverberate throughout the camp. You can hear the people wailing and lamenting. Aaron then enters the Holy of Holies behind the veil, the place of God's most immediate presence in Israel, where only the high priest could enter, and only on this day, once a year. The people of Israel hold their breath. Behind the veil, Aaron takes some of the blood of the goat and sprinkles it on the mercy seat seven times, pleading the mercy of God against the sins of the people. A sacrifice is a propitiation for sins, meaning that God's wrath would symbolically be placed on the substitute instead of his people. The solemnness among the people is only broken by moments of weeping. There's anxious expectation that hopefully God will be gracious and accept the sacrifice for their sins. After the sacrifice has been offered... The very sight of the high priest returning from behind the veil brings a sigh of relief among the people. A visible sign that God's wrath had been averted, a propitious sacrifice, an aroma pleasing to God. Now once the sacrifice for sins had been made, Aaron lays his hands on the scapegoat and confesses all the sins of the people of Israel. And this goat is taken far away from the camp into the wilderness where it would die. There's a somber joy that floods the hearts and minds of the people of Israel. God has removed the sins of Israel into the vast emptiness of the wilderness. Now this yearly ritual on the Day of Atonement reminded the people of Israel of how a holy God made a way to dwell among his sinful people. It required a sacrifice and a high priest to be prepared. It required a sacrifice that was a substitute in the place of guilty sinners. It required a sacrifice that was a propitiation that averted the wrath of God against sinners and a sacrifice that expiated the guilt and condemnation from sinners as far away as the wilderness. Behold, 
the justice and mercy of God. But then you see something odd that happens next. Aaron is seen purifying himself and making another sacrifice for himself and the people. Can it be that after performing the most holy sacrifice on the most holy day, that there is still sin that must be atoned for? But Aaron and the people knew that the ceremony itself is stained by the uncleanness of the high priest and the uncleanness of the people. And they also understood the insufficiency of the sacrifice of bulls and goats to fully and finally take away their sins. So, they looked forward to the ultimate day of atonement. Fast forward with me, it's approximately 30 AD. We are still in the land of Israel, and there is a baby born in Bethlehem, of whom it was prophesied that he would be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What man could not do, what the blood of bulls and goats could not do, God did by entering human history in the person of Jesus Christ. Where Adam failed to obey God's word, Jesus comes as the promised seed of the woman to crush the head of the serpent. The day of atonement in the Old Testament symbolized and anticipated the coming of the Lamb of God. Christ would become the sacrifice and the high priest in the ultimate day of atonement. Now, just as the sacrifice and the high priest had to be prepared before being offered on the day of atonement, Jesus, from the moment of his birth, was being prepared for his sacrifice through his obedience. Fast forward another three years, the sacrifice has been prepared. This time, the sacrifice did not have to be cleansed for sin. Because by the Spirit, Jesus was perfectly obedient to the Father. He was the lamb without blemish, an acceptable offering for sin. And as the lamb was prepared for slaughter, Jesus heads towards the cross as a substitute on behalf of his people. He is falsely accused by the religious leaders, given a phony trial, betrayed by one of his disciples, denied by another, forsaken by all his closest friends. He was beaten and bruised, mocked and scorned by sinful men, and they crucified him in the most gruesome and shameful way possible. Nails pierced his wrist, the crown of thorns bore his head, he was naked and made a spectacle in front of sinful men. God in Christ stood where we should have stood to die the death that we should have died. Yet, he was not a helpless victim. He had the authority to lay down his life. And so, he did. Voluntarily submitting himself to the physical pain and agony of the gruesome crucifixion on a cross. But this wasn't the worst part. Around noon, the sun stops shining and darkness covers the land. The crowd is fearful. There's a sense that there's something more going on here than just a crucifixion. The last time darkness covered the land was during the first Passover when God's judgment fell upon the firstborn Egyptians. This time, God's judgment was going to fall upon the Son of God. 
Jesus, as the sinless substitute, takes upon himself the weight of all the sin of God's people. We are now in the realm of the sublime. The arrow of God's wrath is being prepared in heaven and takes aim at God the Son. God is at the helm and it is about to go down. For the next three hours, the cup of God's wrath will blast and slice the priceless master Christ as a sacrifice. Our mind can barely fathom this divine transaction. Jesus is pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. He drinks the cup of God's wrath as a propitiation for our sins. Then, after three hours, Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The most agonizing cry in human history. Quoting the words of David from the Psalter. And somehow, without rupturing the unity of the Trinity, the Son of God experienced the forsakenness of God on the cross. There is silence in heaven. The angels look down in wonder and bewilderment. And Jesus cries out, It is finished. God's wrath had been propitiated. Expiation for sins made. The veil in the temple is torn in two and the ground beneath trembles and brings back some who are dead back to life. A sign of what has been accomplished and a foretaste of what is to come. New creation breaking in. The light of Sunday is coming, but today we must consider the darkness of the cross. God has always made a way to dwell with his sinful people through a bloody sacrifice that is prepared in their place to avert God's wrath and remove their guilt and condemnation. The day Christ died is the ultimate day of atonement. This is the day when those who put their faith in Christ, for, him, for them he has become the perfect sacrifice and the perfect high priest who was prepared for us. The day when the ultimate sacrifice propitiated the wrath of God against us, the day when the final sacrifice expiated our guilt and condemnation so that we can be reconciled to God. On this day, through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, God saved us from himself by himself, and for himself, so that we might proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into marvelous light.